Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It is Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you as the next hour we'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. We'll dive right into first last night's UFC as you had UFC in Vegas 10. This was uh, a card that took, it, took it, it had a little bit of a hit to it because of uh, some COVID stuff. So uh, we ended up with Michelle Watterson, Angela Hill as the main event and Good God, what a great main event these two women put up forth. It was uh, a great night by uh, by Watterson and Angela Hill. Angela Hill uh, coming out of the gate. Her her striking was incredible. Um, really got the jump on on the karate hottie. And, you know, seemed like she was in cruise control for the most part. It, it seemed that way pretty much up until uh, Watterson was able to take her down in the third round. Um, and... You know, the it, it it just almost seemed like what happened here was Angela Hill wasn't able to keep that that uh, that output going. I don't know if that was by design. You know, it was a five round fight. She came out guns blazing, and so you know, was it by design that she didn't want to wear out by a five round fight? They you know they're they're in there, and it's a lot of output to put throughout a fight like that. So was it possible that that was uh, the way she she was going? Let her guard down a little bit and 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 let Michelle creep into the fight. They both talked about wanting to get a finish in this fight. Um, it wasn't for a lack of trying. They definitely were. Uh, it, it was it was all action the entire time. They never ever stopped throwing at each other. And I really do think that that third round swung things towards Watterson. Watterson then really started going to her bread and butter, which was the the karate kicks. Was going to the side kick. Was able to keep. Uh, Angela at bay made her a little bit more uh, tepid at wanting to unleash on her and got her back into the fight uh, going into f- into round five like most of everybody I had it uh, I had it to a piece and I, I had a really tough time scoring that third round um, I thought that Michelle was on her way to win that round and I thought that she had done enough to squeak it out but the way that round ended, it definitely felt like Angela Hill was pouring it on. It definitely felt like she maybe had done enough to capture it. So, look, man, this is one of those fights where I, I hate to cop out, but it's like one of those ones where you really could flip a coin. And whoever you have coming out on top of that, I will see your argument and be fine with it. Um it is disappointing that after a card like that, then you have a judge who sees it 49-46. Uh, especially towards Michelle Watterson. I mean, I could, I, you know, maybe you could dice that up a little bit for Angela and, 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 and go that route. I don't know where they're getting that for, for Michelle. Um, so it's unfortunate that a decision like that, you almost wish it would be, you know, three, two, three, two, three, two, be pieced up like that. And not there'd be a four, one with the person where you're like, what were you watching there? Where you, you thought that was four, one. Um, you know, it was a big win for Michelle too. If she would have lost three in a row, that would have been tough for her. Now Angela's lost a couple in a row, but she's been super game. I mean, what a, what an improvement she's had in her career. Um, it, it really, she's such, she's so much more of an impressive fighter, uh, than when she started out. She, you know, I know she's 35, but you know, we, I think we see this from the thing that's that, that, that we see from the, these women who are just getting more and more talented, in the UFC is you got to remember that the talent pool is still growing. It's still a much younger sport than even men's mixed martial arts is, which that is still uh, growing as a sport. And so you think about how many gyms there are around, like we have down here at American top team where they just have, 
you know, a who's who of women training there. The GOAT, uh, Nina Ansaroff, Yonan Jacek, Kayla Harrison, Valerie Lareda, now Paige Van Zandt training there. Um, even if she's doing, you know, mostly boxing stuff, like it's just, it, you don't have a ton of places that can come to mind that have that many options rolling around. So, you know, a lot of places it's tough for these, for these women to even, you know, get accepted. And, you know, Michelle's at one of them cause she's, you know, at, uh, in Albuquerque and, and, you know, is there with Holly Holm, who is obviously one of the most famous women in mixed martial arts, but, um, I think you're seeing that a lot of these women, as their careers go on, there's still a lot of improvement to go. We saw that with uh, Roxanne Matafari today. Uh, we're seeing that with Angela Hill. I think we're seeing it with Michelle, quite frankly. And, um, you know, she talked about her desire to get back to the title and, and get back into contention. She's just inside the top 10. Angela's just inside the top 15. I really don't think. I hope Angela doesn't drop a, uh, a lick after this performance, quite frankly. Those are one of those where even if you lose, I could see you improving in the rankings. That's that's how good a performance that was from her. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully the people that vote for that type of stuff, they'll have that in mind as uh, as they get into this type of stuff. But yeah, man, a great performance from Michelle. Those kicks, it was. It's always fun. It's fun watching her go back to uh, her bread and butter. There, I mean, the axe kicks, the side kicks. You know, all those types of uh, that that arsenal that she can bust out was uh, was really cool. Um, and you know, one of for Angela, like if this was a, was a three round fight, she probably would have been well on her way to get in the bag just because of the pace she was going. She was going for, she was not, not going for broke. I don't want to say that. Now I will say it is tough because this is one of those fights where it is so close. You do look at the statistics and I know there's a lot of people who don't like to look at stats for a fight, but you know, you do see that she outstruck michelle by 10 to end that fight now like i did say uh i think a lot of that probably was i just i have and agree i haven't gone back and watched the fight but i would say if you probably went back a lot of that was probably in the last minute but maybe that last minute was enough to win it um and i think sometimes uh you know judges might have their mind made up for the majority of the round but maybe you know angela did enough so it, it's a tough call i would be pissed if i was her um because she did put so much into that bout. So it's a tough one. But uh, like I said, I, I hope, you know, she was at third. I hope she doesn't drop. And that's at least like I wouldn't even be upset if they if they kept her where she was. As far as Michelle goes, she's eight. Um, you know, that's creeping back up into the top five. You know, maybe she uh, gets back up to six, something like that, um, and finds a way there. But she needed this one in the worst way, for sure. She was uh, in a spot where she had lost to Joanna. And that she had lost to Carla Esparza, even if it was close. And now she has a close win over Angela Hill. So, um, fun night. Fun night of, uh, of fights, especially from those two ladies. They really, I thought, uh, really uh, put forth a great performance. Uh, other stuff from this night, you had Bobby Green. Uh, he took on Alain Patrick and got himself a good win. Pretty dominant performance by Bobby Green. Um so he is he's really taking advantage of these quarantine times and put himself on a, on a good path. Uh, Atman Aziat, uh, Azatar, nasty, uh, nasty t- TKO of Kama Worthy, um, who was a little upset with the stoppage. But I thought, you know, it was one of those where I had to, I was kind of split on two screens on it. And I just watched it from the naked. I thought, yeesh, you know, that fight's got to get stopped. So, you know, if he wasn't as hurt, he made it look bad. 
uh, for sure. And probably the most controversial thing of the night is uh, the Ed Herman Mike Rodriguez fight. You had uh, Rodriguez look like he stopped Ed Herman. I mean, he was whooping Ed Herman's ass basically this entire fight. And then in the second round, I thought that they were stopping the fight. Um, this again was one of those things where, like, I was watching the fight, but I also had NBA on and MLB on. So I'm like watching it and I see, I was like, they stop it. So you like, you click back on it. And so they're calling it a low blow, dicey. Uh, you know, dicey call on that one for it to be uh, to be a low blow. And Ed Herman then ends up getting the third round, gets Mike Rodriguez in a Kimura lock, and Rodriguez taps out. And so, look, uh, there might be people who don't have a lot of sympathy for Mike because you know, finish the fight, especially a fight you're dominating like that. On the other hand, maybe you think you're winning a fight, and it um, I think messes with your head a little bit. So that's tough for him. Uh, that he ends up uh, on the short end like that, um, where it seemed like he was cruising to a, to a win over a guy that they touted, you know, his his uh, credentials. You know, they were doing the Mike Bisbing package as far as like, oh, this guy comes from Ultimate Fighter 3. And so, you know, he got savvy vetted. That's what it seems like. You know, uh, Rodriguez looks like he got he got out Fox in this fight. Not really that he got beat in the fight. So that's a, that's a tough one to swallow, I'm sure, for him. Uh, other action from the weekend, uh, shout out to our guy Hector Lombard, who is uh, the OG guest of this show. He uh, got himself a win in BKFC. He beat Kendall Grove first round stoppage, and as they were in Daytona on Friday night, uh, good show for Hector because I know that he really wanted to improve off of that first performance in his debut at BKFC, which was down here in South Florida. Uh, Tiago Alves on on the other side on the other side of it, he ended up getting a decision win in his BKFC debut. So a good showing for two of the local guys. Um, you know, Hector, a frequent guest of this show. Tiago, a recent guest of this show. So congratulations to both of those guys getting their win in BKFC um, as they were looking to uh, to get back going a little bit. As it's been a, a tough display for them. Obviously, everybody's waiting for the debut of Paige Van Zant. Um, she hit a little bit of a hiccup this week. I think uh, her and her husband both got COVID-19. So they've been uh, out of commission a little bit with training. You know, I'm sure that uh, that's one of those things where you, you hope they have a speedy recovery, all all health to them, everything gets right, and, you know, the, uh, the Van Zants or the Vanderfords can get back cracking to it. So um, that's, uh, that's a little bit of a recap of the week. And when we come back, uh, I want to get into some of the news of the week, uh, some legal stuff that's going on. Uh, Conor McGregor looks like he's in trouble again. Canelo Alvarez, he has a lawsuit officially with DAZN. So we'll get into some of that stuff and some of the troubles that the big stars in the fight uh, world are having. We'll be back with more after this. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. And we will dive into a little bit of the news of the week. Uh, the big story this week, uh, as far as combat sports was concerned, uh, on the boxing side of things was Canelo Alvarez's deteriorating relationship with DAZN, Golden Boy. Uh, he officially filed a lawsuit this week, um, which isn't surprising, especially after all the stuff that we had heard with the the issues that DAZN was offering him uh, half of his purse and that that was no bueno on his side, that he was uh, he was upset with, uh, with DAZN, upset with Golden Boy. And so it officially went to the courtrooms. Now, 
this uh, he he is suing for the number that is two hundred and eighty million that's left on his contract. Now, there's a couple things. Uh, on Saturday, news came out that the courts dismissed this case with a chance for revision, where he has to hone in on who he is actually suing because it seems like they kind of cast a wide net of uh, DeZone, Golden Boy, Oscar De La Hoya, and some other parties. And they're trying to figure out, like, well, who who are you actually mad at here? Who are we, like, who are you trying to get these damages from amongst all these people? So, while the lawsuit grabbed a lot of headlines, it does seem like it's 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 off to a bit of a uh, rough start for for the Alvarez camp. Um, but I do still think there's a lot of stuff to unpack here. One of them being, all right. There were some details that came out this week where it said that Canelo Alvarez was upset with DAZN because of the opponents that they described as premium opponents. Now, mind you, if you guys are not up to date with this story, premium opponents, uh, Canelo is supposed to fight two fights a year, basically, with DAZN. One can be anybody. The other is dubbed to be a premium opponent. And the main thing this all comes down to, really, is the fact that DAZN is pissed that they never got the third Triple G fight. It's been a big business fight. As far as money is, con- it's been a big business fight. It's a little bit redundant. Big business fight in boxing. Uh, it's Canelo's biggest rivalry. Everybody wants to see Canelo Triple G. It's uh, as far as far as they're concerned. You know, the mainstream audience they can sell that. They can sell subscriptions. Um, you know, and and hopefully in their mind, lock a lot of people in for the year and be like, why not pay? You could be paying seventy five dollars for this fight. Why not pay a hundred dollars? You get to zone all year. That's basically what it comes down to. So Canelo. In his mind, he's like, I'm not fighting Gennady Golovkin. It's not my problem. Kick the sharpest of rocks, the zone. And they've been trying to get fights with Callum Smith and Billy Joe Saunders and some dude from Turkey I've never heard of that they're going to a purse bid with the WBC. Uh, no disrespect. And, you know, the zone's like, listen, we'll do this fight. We'll do this opponent that you're picking, whomever, for the... Um, bum ass WBC title that, you know, WBC will just roll over and give you whomever you want, but we're going to pay you half your money. So if you're Canelo, you're thinking to yourself, well, hi, my money. I mean, you guys aren't, uh, this isn't hard times for you. You guys are a television network. Like, what do you care? Who's in the crowd or whatnot? So this is a, it's fastly deteriorating. It's getting to a bad point. I mean, there were some details this week that came out and the athletic talking about, uh, you know, John Skipper's losing a lot of his hold over there. They're trying to uh, reshovel some things at the zone. Remember DAZN was this company that was touting like the death of pay-per-view and this was going to be the wave of the future. And now it seems like, you know, this is either going to end up in a, a really ugly divorce with Canelo going back to the pay-per-view model. That's, uh, one of the theories that was thrown out by Bob Aram this week. Um, you know, or they got to find some better means to get this, uh, you know, the opponents that they want Canelo to face. And look, I ripped his own up and down. I, 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 they've been terrible as far as mostly my biggest problem, honestly, with the zone has been, I think that their broadcasting, uh, platform, um, for them being a streaming platform that's used all around the world and them trying to break into America, I just think that the quality is super poor, and that's not to say like when it's actually working, it's not great, um, and it's not to say that the people broadcasting their network, their broadcasting team is fine. Sergio Mora, Brian uh, Brian Kenny, um, Todd Grisham, 
Chris, they all do a fine job. This is not a shot at the people who work for DAZN on the talent standpoint, um, or even the promoters. This isn't, you know, th- look, there's promoting problems that go on all over boxing. This isn't that, that I can't put on DAZN. That's been a thing forever. Um, but the problem that is, you know, you, you got a broadcasting platform where they're stream based and, you know, technologically just hasn't been great. I feel like I've done this rant a bunch of times. I don't really want to bore everybody in the audience with it again. So, if you've listened to this podcast, you know my feelings on DAZN. But that being said, I get it. They have the biggest star in boxing, and they can't get him to fight anybody worth a damn. Um, and they feel like, you know, they're not getting their money's worth. Um, so where does this go from here is the real question. So is Canelo going to end up being tied down to the, one of these legal cases where is he just trying to get to zone to break and allow him to fight whoever he wants. You know, that's part of it. It seems like, like the, the early comments are, look, I'm just trying to be allowed to be back in the ring and get what I'm owed, uh, from a guaranteed standpoint. Um, are we going to get to a point where they just void the contract? I would be surprised if DAZN wouldn't be happy about that for a couple of reasons. One, if you're not happy with the opponents and you're not getting your money's worth, um, why would you continue this day? I mean, the only, the only argument would be is you just want to spike Canelo. Um, the golden boy thing is interesting from this facet is they've had a lot of rifts publicly Oscar and Canelo. So, you know, their hope, you know, Oscar, I saw him this week saying, we're hoping that this is the next step to get him back in the ring. Um, you know, that this will deter him from going on the war path a little bit, um, from courts, I don't know. Uh, um, I think ultimately this is probably going to end in his relationship with DAZN just ceasing. And I don't know. Maybe this ends the the whole thing with DAZN. Like, look, it's not like DAZN could have seen this coming. Uh, there's plenty of promotions, I think. that You saw this with the XFL. The XFL thought they were going to come in and be the spring uh, football thing, and it didn't work out. And that's that. Uh, as far as DAZN, look, they're internationally fine. Uh, they they have a lot of rights. It's not like DAZN's going to go away. It's just that they're an American product. It's a tough thing. you got to break in, and you're trying to compete with the ESPNs of the world, and there's all these things going on right now. And by the way, sports has never been busier. Ratings, um, you know, when everybody kind of came into this, they thought, oh, ratings are going to be through the roof for everything. And um it's it's not the case, you know. There's a lot of people who are going to be who are consumed by a couple of things. One of them being the fact that we're in the midst of a pandemic. The other one of them being the fact that we have um, it being the highly highly most highly publicized election known to man coming up, I guess. Uh, or I I don't know what the proper title to put on it is, but you know, uh, probably the the most. And it's probably stupid to say uh, the the most high, uh, the highest stakes. There's been some pretty high stakes elections in the past, but my point is, it's it's an election a lot of people care about, and so you have all that on top of it. So you have all this stuff that's that's going on in the world right now, and you're trying to get these uh, boxing matches off the ground, and you know, there's just some things that aren't just set up for a win, and it doesn't seem like a new promotion is set up for a win right now when it comes to trying to get new fans. Like, you know, 
I don't know how many fans are going to want to watch Canelo. Now, look, you if I'm if I'm Canelo, do I want to leave DAZN? You know, I don't know. Like, how many people are going to be paying Canelo Alvarez seventeen million in this day and age with no um, crowds, with with nobody able to go see him? You know, it'd be one thing if you could do a triple G fight and people could pack the buildings, but I would get it if I was pissed like him. Now, the way I would hope it would go if you're to zone is like, look, you know, can we defer something like this? Can we go and do 17 million this fight? And, you know, when things can be more highly publicized later on in the year, can we pay you 50 for the next fight? I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure those things out. Um, But ultimately I think it's probably going to end with Canelo leaving and I look, I don't know if he's going to be happier or not. Look, he got the, the biggest guaranteed pro contract in the history of American sports or something like that. Whatever they publicized it as higher than Giancarlo Stanton as they, uh, they put forth in their, their first press conference. But, you know, um, I think two things for Canelo should, would, you know, I would want one. I would, yes, I would definitely want my money that I was promised um, but two, I don't want to be stuck in a courtroom, not getting money because I'm not fighting, um, and just paying lawyers left and right. Um, there's a lot of people that have to eat it right now. Um, the thing that I honestly think if I'm Canelo is that I, that I would, I would try and do something a little bit more solid towards my uh, you know, towards my boss in that, all right, let's figure out an opponent that you think is worth 30 million for. Like some of the names that came out was crazy. It was like Oscar De La Hoya, um, Khabib, Jorge Masvidal. Um, you know, these were the premium opponents that they were, that design was thrown out, which doesn't make you feel great as a boxing fan because you're like, really? Like, this is, this is who you guys consider like the creme de la creme of the sport. I'm sure that doesn't sit well with a lot of fight fans, but also if you're telling me, Oh, wait, you want me to fight a mixed martial artist? Like, let's figure this out. You know, if I'm Canelo, I'm like, look at my job. I'm like, I got $30 million to go have the easiest fight of my life. Let's do it. So, you know, I get the anger on both sides. I really, really do. Ultimately, um, I'm more pro Canelo on this side because I, you know, I, I think that, Look, you you made your bed if you're DAZN. You're the one who, you know, gave the guy the guaranteed deal. Um, Golden Boy is no angel in this either, for certain. You know, they kind of weaseled this in to get their own dates with the zone, and um, doesn't seem like they acted in good faith with all of this type of stuff either. So that's not great. It's uh, it's a messed up relationship for sure, and and hopefully. Uh, this doesn't end with uh, not getting to see Canelo fight for a year and a half or something like that. You know, something that like happened with Andre Ward back in the day or any type of promoter rift. Those things are always a bummer that um, fighters aren't able to continue. Uh, unfortunately, you know, when you have this much money at stake and if you're zone and you're thinking about the the, you know, viability of your boxing business plan. You lose Canelo Alvarez, it kind of feels like that's a that's a death blow. You know, same thing for Golden Boy if they were to lose him. I know they got Ryan Garcia and um, Ortiz, but geez, like that's that's uh, that's not great for sure. So the other bit of fighter trouble that we have, and this is on a much different scale than uh, Canelo, is the news of Conor McGregor. 
we got the news this week, uh, this uh, weekend that he was arrested in France. Um, now I'm a little bit hazy on the details because, you know, they're saying that he was arrested for uh, sexual assault. And there's other reports that are saying that he is uh, arrested on sexual exhibition, uh, exhibitionism, which, uh, you know, seems like indecent, indecent exposure. Um, you know, so, you know, did, did he just whip his hog out uh, to a bunch of people in a bar? Like, it's a little bit, it, there's still a lot of stuff that's coming out. You know, when you see initially, like, sexual assault, um, you know, you're thinking the worst. You're thinking, oh, Conor McGregor has been convicted of rape um, or, you know, something really heinous. So there are reports out of Ireland that say that he kind of was arrested for alleged indecent exposure at a bar in a French region. According to reports, French news outlets report that the retired MMA fighter was arrested, taken into custody for an alleged incident, which is said to have taken place last week. A statement from local prosecutors said that the 31 year old was follow, uh, arrested following a complaint filed on September 10th, denouncing acts that could be described as an attempted sexual exhibition. Um, Mr. McGregor was a subject of hearing by police with the AAP. No other details were good. Uh, his, you know, reps have come out and denied this all. And, uh, you know, that's where we are right now with Connor. He's not in prison. Uh, he's not, uh, he's not charged. Doesn't seem like he's charged with anything. seems like he was, uh, he was arrested. He was, uh, he was questioned and that he was, um, you know, that he was released. I don't know what's going to come of this, but yeah, the details aren't, are, are a little bit hazy and, so forgive us with that when we're uh, we're talking about this on the show, um, but uh, look, the dude continues to act like a jackass. I don't know, you know, this is this is uh, just a complete downward trend as far as like when he's out of the the cage, always having his head stuck in stuff is pretty nuts. Like the things that you just look at it, you're just like, you know, he's 32, he's got the world. At his feet, you know, he's got a, uh, 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 what they say is a booming whiskey business. You know, he's obviously made a ton of money fighting. Now, he is uh, retired. He is, uh, and and he, it kind of feels like right now he's almost um, blacklisted from the UFC, almost. Like, they're not letting him fight because they know they can't put a crowd there to see him, which uh, we'll get to in a little bit because there is some interesting uh, stuff coming out uh, as far as fights in Vegas and a crowd coming up but you know look first there's a couple of things one this isn't the first time connor has been uh tied to uh inappropriate sexual stuff the other stuff seemed a lot more uh a lot more heavy as far as what he was accused of but you know wasn't uh charged you know wasn't uh didn't seem like it went very far as far as all that was concerned, but he was tied to it. You know, there were a lot of reports out of Ireland that, you know, they can't report with the same vigor that we do here, or shouldn't even say they can't report with the same vigor. They, they can't report with the same details that we do here. Um, because that's not their, that's not their national law. They, um, you know, they don't do anything unless somebody is proven guilty. That is when they can release the name, but you know, everybody around there, uh, who puts two and two together, believed it was Conor McGregor. And then, you know, the New York Times would come out and 
they said that uh, that he was investigated for that stuff too. So, not not his first rodeo when it comes to this type of stuff. Even though he has denied this stuff before, obviously punching the uh, the old man was uh was a terrible act you know the stuff in miami down here i didn't get so much into that i thought that was uh you know guys being uh, crappy on south beach and you know just trying to get some clout and fame and whatnot throwing the dolly at his fellow fighters terrible look for connor so you know it's a couple of things you just look at this and you're just like you know you wish that a guy like that um would just live and be like, Hey, you've made it, man. Like there, there doesn't seem like there has to be a downward spiral here. You don't have to be the biggest fight cliche that everybody, you know, seems to notice of these guys who make it to the absolute top and it all kind of crumbles. And so, you know, if it's as little as him whipping it out in a French bar, you're just like, all right, it's not the worst crime in the world, but like, why is Conor McGregor whipping it out at a bar? Uh, in in the middle of France, uh, whether it be to, you know, uh, some ladies or to be funny or who, whatever, you know, it's just like, you're, you know, you, you really like, that's the level of behavior you got to go to. Um, and like, we're going to get, you know, we're going to get what, like another Conor McGregor apology tour. Like, is that, is that at some point, it's got to be like, all right, man. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Um, the other side of this, though, is you know, when it comes to fighters, the line is, you know, it's not very high as far as, you know, what the UFC can do about it. As uh, we've seen with uh, with Floyd Mayweather in boxing, like nothing happened. I mean you know, Floyd went to jail for domestic abuse and, you know, was having $200 million paydays then thereafter. So, you know, that's the, the that is the, uh, I guess the, the, the loan benefit they have of not really having a true boss. Um, but it's disappointing to see from Conor McGregor that, yeah, this guy continues to get into trouble. He seems like, uh, a complete jerk. Uh, and I'm, you know, picking more mild words because I'm on the radio. Um, but I saw that this week. I'm just like, I'm glad that it seems like the things that he's accused of aren't as heinous as the headlines say with sexual assault. But it also leads me to believe like you had all this stuff in the past, you know, whether you think you've done it, uh, whether you've done it or haven't done it, um, somehow you're always getting tied into trouble. You know what I mean? And it's like, it can't always be just a coincidence that people are out to get you or the story story is getting overblown. Like there's always, there's, there's probably a, a kernel of truth and all that type of stuff. And it just seems like we're going to get the same dog and pony show as far as, you know, his behavior. It's a guy who just got engaged to his longtime girlfriend uh, has two young kids and you're just like, wow, you got hundred million in the bank, uh, uh, an alcohol uh, endeavor that seems like it's going well, you know, <laughs> what are you doing, bro? Like you, you really, you're, 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 you're hog shining it out in a bar. Uh, ugh, it's just such loser behavior from a guy who's done a lot of winning in his career. We'll take a quick break. Um, 
and, and, and by the way, it goes to the point of this dude needs, I, I mean, it's, it's crazy before it, like nobody needs, it, it's a weird thing, but for a guy who doesn't need fighting, nobody needs fighting more than Conor McGregor. It appears because this always happens when he's got a long break or doesn't know when he's coming back or is on a retirement or is on a vacation. This is when the trouble always creeps up to him. Always like when there's a fight and he's locked in and he's locked down, you know, eye on the prize, good to go. But whenever it's like fake retirement or vacation time or break time, that's when all of this stuff has happened. It's happened since the Floyd fight. It's happened with the, the fake retirement the first time. Now this retirement this time, you know, you would have hoped we could have gone on this show this week and we could have talked about, oh, Conor McGregor calling out the Diaz brothers. Nick Diaz's comeback is coming soon. Let's get that rivalry going. And no, we got to talk about, you know, Conor McGregor whipping his deal out and getting arrested in France. Christ. We're back after this. Welcome back, everybody. It's Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Big one coming up next week. This is a great card. Uh, you know, it's funny because Ben Askren said this past week. He said on Twitter, he says, MMA is kind of boring right now. And I thought about what Askren was saying. And I was like, yeah, he's kind of right. It's boring right now. And now, now is a very short time. I just want to point that out. It's not like it's been horrible. This hasn't been a horrible year. It's just, you know, you went into this week and you're just like, all right, Watterson versus Hill, which, by the way, turned out to be an awesome, awesome fight. Um, but I was with him a little bit. I was like, yeah, last couple of main events, you know, I haven't been, uh, you know, it hasn't gotten my jellies going. Um, as far as mixed martial arts is concerned, you know, Bellator, you know, I'm in and out on Bellator, you know, it's very, uh, if somebody local's fighting, I'm into that. But now they did say they're going to be on CBS, which is good for them, CBS Sports, which is going to be good for them because no more tape delay nonsense. That's going to be great for them, I think. I think that should help out a lot and, um, you know, will help as far as, like, I think CBS's network, promoting them, all that type of stuff. I think it's a good move for them. Um, but, yeah, I, I saw that and I was like, ah, he's kind of right. He's kind of right. Now, I will say... To Ben's point, whatever MMA is putting forth is light years ahead of what boxing has been giving us. Now, I am excited next week. Um, Erickson Lubin's back on. He's going to be fighting in the main event on Showtime against Terrell Geisha. I'm really looking forward to that fight. I like Erickson Lubin. I think he's a really, really entertaining fighter. Um, took a big risk at a young age and has literally had to spend the last three years erasing it. And this is the thing that is crappy about boxing is that Erickson Lubin took on Jamel Charlo, uh, a big risk fight for a guy at his age, 21 years old. He's doing the flashy stuff in the ring, splits, pops, pop, pop, Jack and sledge. Uh, I just love his style. Um, trains down here in my backyard, Kevin Cunningham's gym in West Palm. And I just think that guy is, is really, really talented. And I'd really like to see him get back into the limelight as far as contendership is concerned. And I just think that this guy showed just tremendous guts at, at the age that he was at 2017, three years ago. And we haven't, he hasn't gotten a sniff back at the title. That sucks. Isn't that garbage as far as boxing is concerned? So I'm, I'm a big, big fan of his. And I hope that, uh, he goes up and he, uh, he uh, gets a big-time win. I really, really do. And we'll see this past weekend, this upcoming weekend. I'm looking forward to that for sure next week. But, I mean, even with that, as excited as I am with that with boxing and, and watching Erickson Lubin fight, 
you got a monster on your hands next week. This is honestly a pay-per-view worthy card. I, I, I kid you not. This is, this is a pay-per-view worthy card between uh, Colby and Tyron Woodley that you get on ESPN plus, which is what six bucks now. Um, and this is why I say like, bro, you're the zone. You can't compete. like, cause that's a, this is a pay-per-view worthy card and it's for $6. Like you can't, honestly, you can't beat that bang for your buck. Cause you got Colby versus Woodley. Now you always know weird yesterday and I found this odd, but you know, they did the promo for this fight yesterday. Maybe we'll get more of the, the stories this week, but they did the promo for this fight yesterday during the card. And it made it seem like like Colby was still fighting an American top team, you know, uh, which was weird. And I know that like probably can't get film crews down here because of COVID or whatnot. But I find like that's a big deal that Colby's not at American top team anymore and uh, that he's at this new camp because he was basically kind of outcast from his his current gym because of Jorge and Dustin and. JJ and all that type of stuff that was going. Now he's at MMA Masters, which you know we had Danny Chavez on a couple of weeks ago, and we were saying what a budding uh, gym that is. Not that they haven't been around forever, but this is I uh, probably the best run that they've had on the national stage in a while. You think about Danny getting a win, Ricardo Lamas just got a win. Now he did just retire Fisher this week, so shout out to the bully. Great career for him. Um, we talked about Miguel Baeza getting his UFC, winning his UFC debut against Matt Brown, like. MMA Masters is is really starting to blossom out of the scene, and you know they're making it seem like uh, like Colby's still training at a Coconut Creek. Probably only only like I cared about that because we're here in South Florida, but I just found it odd. You know, this is the ride we've been waiting for for a long, long time, and now we get it. Um, and so there's something exciting about that. There's a couple of things that obviously suck. One of them being that they're both coming off of losses. Um, you know this feels like a matchup that should have happened four or five times and should have happened when they were both at the top of the game. The one you always look to is after Colby got the interim title, you wish that he could have just gone right in there and fight Tyron. And I get it that he had the, the injury had to get like surgery. I think it was on his ear or something like that, but you saw that performance. He's like, man, I wish that boom, that would have gone right into it because I thought it was a big proving point for Colby. You know, Colby, for all the crap that he gets with the with the MAGA bit and the Donald Trump and all that type of stuff, and I'm sure that's going to be even more hot and heavy this week than ever because we're we're entering election time. But that should have been, you know, led right into it because his performance against Rafael was brilliant. His performance after that against Robbie Lawler a year later was even better, quite frankly. But you know, Tyron's hit hard times. You know, he's he's just not been. I don't know who this guy is. You know, this is uh, this is a guy who knocked out Robbie Lawler. His championship run was, I think, a bit forgettable in that his fights were never that memorable, and it felt like he spent the entire time explaining why he was so great instead of just winning the fans over with great performances. And I'm not saying that Tyrant didn't fight smart fights. You know, he had to take on specialist after specialist in – uh, and Wonderboy Thompson and Damian Maya after beating Robbie Lawler. Uh, they beat the holy hell out of Darren Till. It's just that Darren Till's welterweight run was a bit of a... So, you know, you're not going to get much credit for that one. But, you know, his Damian Maya fight, nah, you, you know, that's not a great fight. But who's going to look good against Damian Maya? And same thing with Wonderboy. So, unfortunately for him, you know, he's talked about that, you know, he fell into a little bit of the championship lifestyle, 
It's been hard for him to to gear up, and it just looked like it. He just hasn't looked like the guy who was a wrecking machine that knocked out the boogeyman of Robbie Lawler um, way, way, way back four years ago. So this rivalry, it, 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 um, you know, I think it could do a couple things. I do think for Tyron, if he does go out there and get the win, I do think it could spark him up again. I do think that almost would, would bring him back from the dead, which is where it kind of feels like his career is right now, right or wrong. Um, and for Colby, it's a golden opportunity for him because I really think that his performance against Kamara was good. The fight has heat. Um, it was a good fight basically up until Kamara stopped it. Um, so I do think that if Colby gets a win against Tyron, he's probably right back in there as far as title contention is concerned. You know, you don't, you know, you don't fall off the the shelf. You lose one fight, the champion, you beat the former champion, doesn't feel like he should have to do uh, a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of winning to get back to the top. The problem for him is always feels like there's some negotiating problem or something like that 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 holds him up. And then, you know, you look at the rest of his options after this. Like, what else is there? You know, will he fight Leon Edwards? I doubt it. Um, will he fight Jorge Masvidal? I think that'd be a fun fight. Obviously, with the bad blood that's there now. But, you know, is it seems like Jorge is going in the direction of fighting the Diaz brothers. So I do think that this is a great fight from the standpoint of there's a lot of it feels like there's a lot at stake for both of them. But I wish that we should have gotten this fight, you know, when it was maybe the biggest fight, one of the biggest fights the UFC could have put on. And we just never got that, you know, and that's unfortunate, I think. And I think that. All the squabbling, I don't know this for a fact because I don't know what their bank records are, but I do feel like all the squabbling that the two did over whatever money was the issue, probably more so on Colby's side, you would say if if he goes out and he beats Woodley this weekend, would it have meant what it would have meant if he would have beat Woodley the champion, what that probably would have done for his career. So that's an unfortunate thing. As far as the matchup's concerned, it's kind of hard for me to go out there and pick Tyron Woodley. I got to be honest with you. Like... um, We've seen Colby in there with dangerous strikers now, and he has looked fantastic. He's put on a pace that's hard to keep up. I don't think it's a matter of Tyron uh, gassing out, but he's just—he's looked like he doesn't. He just almost looks—he looks like a ghost when he walks in there. And I just don't know how anybody could watch the last performances of his career and feel like you're getting the best version of that in any way possible. So I'm going to go with Kobe to win. I'm going to have him win by decision. I don't think he stops Tyron, but I, I could definitely see him winning like a 49-46 uh, route decision. I think it's going to be a fun week of promotion for those two. But uh, look, I, maybe maybe Tyron proves me wrong. It's just we just haven't seen that guy. And I think that... The two things that just come out of this matchup is I'm disappointed that we're not getting it when we should have gotten it. Um, and also that, you know, the reason we didn't get the, the those fights was silly and probably would have ended up being better for them in the first place. I'm disappointed, too, from another standpoint. I don't know what's happened with our boy Miguel Baeza. Um, you know, former guest of the show. He uh, He was supposed to fight Mickey Gall on this card. And that fell through. Mickey got hurt. They announced on Saturday. So 
you know, does he end up uh, taking somebody last minute? I don't know. He's got a really blossoming MMA career. Um, so it feels like one of those where they're like, you better say yes, but maybe he wants to, you know, fight the opponents that he wants to fight. I don't know. That'll be an interesting one to follow this week from a local standpoint. So it's going to be a fun night. I'm looking forward to the UFC next week. As uh, Ben Askren said, MMA has been a little bit boring right now. Um, even though there were good fights last night, I do think that this is one that has some storylines, some buzz to it, some juice to it, and that we could sink our teeth into for sure. Before we get out of here, a couple of other notes. Uh, disappointed this week to see the news that Dustin Poirier's fight uh, with Tony Ferguson couldn't come through, that they couldn't come to terms with Poirier. Uh, Dana White called it after the fight card unsalvageable, which, look, uh, I've been over this a million times with Dustin Poirier. I've, I've said this through him finally getting a shot against Habib and getting the interim title. I don't know if there's a more exciting fighter right now in the UFC than Dustin Poirier. I don't know what the guy has to do um, to get the company fully on board with him as a star. Um, you know, maybe if he was exposing his hog in bars, you know, people would be more into him. I don't know, but all I know is every time that guy steps into the cage, you're in basically for the fight of the year. Um, he's fantastic. And I, I, I've said this to... You know, people work with with Dustin that, you know, I can't even fathom a Dustin Poirier, Tony Ferguson fight. It seems like uh, a more gory matrix of of the kind of stuff we could see in that type of bout. And it's worth every penny in my mind. Um, You know, I saw some criticism as we go, Dustin, you know, take the Tony Ferguson fight, risk it, you know, risk it for what? Uh, I mean... You know, he's gotten his chance to 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 fight Khabib. And there's nothing else to risk. The guy's a perennial contender. He just beat a top five guy. Um he doesn't need to to go on the cheap to double down to show that he's worthy of fighting for the title. Um, you know, if Khabib comes out of this on top, yeah, maybe it's a tougher ass to to go have him get a title shot against Khabib. If he goes if just if uh, Justin Gaethje wins this upcoming fight against Armaga Madoff. It was a very good argument that Dustin Boyer should just go right to the top and fight for the belt. So I was disappointed to see that. Uh, I thought the fans would have really enjoyed that. And, um, you know, understanding the UFC is trying to operate in tough times. But these fights, when you're talking about the type of entertainment that, that Dustin Boyer puts on for any audience, whether that be a TV audience, a digital audience, or a live audience, um, dude has paid his dues, has showed up, um, never misses weight, always fantastic, uh, a, a true gentleman of the sport, great with charity, and his fights are always awesome. And you're talking about him versus Tony. Come on, man. So disappointed to see that. I also saw that um, Dana White said that he, he likes Michael Chandler. That seems like those talks are going forward. So that was good news. Uh, one bad, one good this week. Um, and they end up giving up uh, Mike Rodriguez his win bonus after the uh, egregious thing that happened with the referee this week. So that is our show for this week, everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed it, and we'll talk to you same time, same place next week. Talk to you then. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.